All right, folks, I am infamous for this or noted for this or something for this. It just turned nine o'clock, <laughs> and I love to start on time. And to start this morning, I have to be very serious with all of you, and I regret, but this is just the way it has to be. The main purpose for doing this this morning was to see how many people would turn out. Now, this is a wonderful crowd, but now that we've seen how many people would turn out and get out of bed early in the morning, Beth, where'd Beth go? Uh, uh, oh, you went back there to hide, I see, okay. Well, now at this point, we're going to cancel this meeting, and so everybody can go home and go back to bed. What did you say, Elsie? Ah. Now, I got to tell you, you know, y'all didn't take that very much, but one sweet lady told me I needed to do that, and I do what people tell me I need to do, see? And so, Anita, would you please stand up? <laughs> April Fool. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It is so nice to see you. Uh, we have planned this, looked forward to this, worked on this. I have a whole bunch of people sitting here in the crowd that have a lot of responsibility, and I am so thankful for our transition team and our prayer group and our accountability group and these folks are already working hard, and they will work hard today. Uh, I'll do a little bit, and they'll do a lot. So that works out okay. Now, also, a kitchen crew, at least show your nose out the door a little bit. Where's the kitchen crew? Huh? It's empty in there. Oh, well, here's a couple of them down here. Oh, there's Jennifer, I see. Okay, and Tom, did he come out? Yeah, Tom said he was going to be here for the group therapy session today. So, <laughs> not, let me tell you, Tom, Jennifer, and Melissa, and Ted, they're the ones that have provided for us, so please give them a hand. I've already thanked them about ten times and also eating some of their food, and so we will, it's there. We're going to move and work and do some stuff and then have a break. Uh, Vicki told me that she doesn't eat this early in the morning, so she'll wake up about 10, 10.30. Now, she's sitting right here, but that's okay. <laughs> Moved up, up front. Well, we are here because the Lord has asked us to be here. We're here because we're a church family, and Stephanie told me this morning with much glee and excitement, running up to me, I thought she was going to hug me or attack me, one or the other, <laughs> and she ran up and she said, the Holy Spirit is here, and that was the first statement, so I think we can take that as a definite, all right, because there are a bunch of fine Christian people sitting in this group this morning. And when we have Christ in our life, the Holy Spirit is here. And so we're going to trust him and trust what he leads us to do. I would much rather you pay attention to him than you pay attention to me, but I'm going to pay attention to him and to God's leadership through that. And I trust that 
we will have a blessed and a successful time today. Now, please go ahead eating, or if you want to go get some more, uh, just don't wander off and just take a nap or anything like that. Okay? Sorry, Dave, you, you can't take a nap t- today. Okay? I woke you up? I can talk louder. Now, we're going to pray much today, but I've got to pray for a moment here as we start. Thank you for being here, and I thank the Lord for being here. Let's pray, folks. Father, we are your children, and you are our Father, and you are Almighty God, a wonderful, loving, forgiving, freedom-giving, peace-giving unbelievable father and we come before you with thanksgiving with worship and with praise this day the main purpose is so that we will get to know you better and in getting to know you better then we will be better as your children we'll be better as a church we'll be better as men and women we'll be better as servants We'll be better as learners. We will just be better because of you teaching us and moving us through our experiences. So we are very thankful that you've given us King's Grant Baptist Church. You've given us each other. You've given us relationships. You have given us hope and peace and joy and fun and laughter and all of the gifts that you are so good at giving. Thank you for your designs. Thank you for your will. Thank you for what we will experience today and every day as we follow you. So we commit this time to you, and we look forward to it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're going to spend the next... 40 minutes or so talking about transforming prayer. Now, if you look right here on this little stand in front of me, there is a book by Daniel Henderson from which I have taken all of this information. Got to start with a personal story because I've loved to pray for years and years and years and years and years because I'm old and the Lord has helped me to grow up and one of the ways... He's helped me is through prayer and many other ways. But about 10 years ago, in a conference, in a teaching experience at another church, another Baptist church out in the countryside, out more where we live part-time. We live in Virginia Beach also. But we did a conference on transforming prayer, on this book, on this material that we're going to emphasize today. And the very first session, the fellow that was leading the session took us to this very familiar, be sure you can watch up here, this very familiar uh, passage of scripture from the book of Matthew. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sitting, this is me, sitting right there in a group of people. Now, had I read this verse before? Hundreds of times. 
Had I prayed this verse before? Hundreds of times. Had I taught this verse before? Yes, 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 yes. But that night, I looked at that and something new came over me. And it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me 10 years ago. And it changed my prayer life. Because when I looked at that, I said, Oh my goodness, I am honoring my Father in heaven and I am asking for His will to be done on earth. No. I'm asking for His will to be done in me. Now I want you to start right there. Because I'm in favor of us taking these things personally. And that changed. And then we went on in this conference for the next six weeks or so studying this book on transforming prayer. And it's all about worshiping and honoring and letting the Lord in an intimate way do His work in me and in you and in you and me as individuals. And then we become families and we become a church and we become a community and we become a nation and we become, we become the kingdom of God. And if we don't let him do his work and honor him for what he does in me and in ourselves, then we're stuck. We're, we're, not, we're not going anywhere. So that is what we're going to do today. We're going to seek the Lord's face. Now, I, here's a bunch of words. And I want you to look at them, and I'm going to share them with you. Now, no, I don't have all these memorized. I will tell you, i got a cheater's screen right here in front of me, okay? <laughs> so I've got everything that you see on that screen, i got right here. Now, if it doesn't fit, holler at Scott, because he's the one that's in charge of all this. But this is called worship-based prayer. Now, we are all prayers. I know that for a fact. And I honor that in you and in your Christian life and in your church and in your leadership and in your teaching and, and all of that. However, this is something I want us to examine, look at, and ask for the Holy Spirit to teach us about worship-based prayer. It seeks the face of God before the hand of God. Now, pay attention to that phrase because we do a lot of, of seeking the hand of God. Now, what does that mean? Wanting stuff. Gimme, 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 gimme. Now, we are supposed to call on the Lord and then we're going to say that later and several times. However, I'm not in favor, nor do I believe the Holy Spirit, Almighty God, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I don't think they're in favor. He's in favor of what I would call vending machine prayer. Now, that may sound a little irreverent to you, but don't we sometimes treat it like it's a vending machine or treat God like he's a vending machine? We just go up and say, all right, I'll push that button. And then I'll push that button because I need this, I want that, I need this, I want that. And so we just ask, 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 gimme, 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 vending machine, push the button, push the button. This is different because we're going to seek in an intimate way God's face. 
It says God's face is the essence of who he is. God's hand is the blessing of what he does, which it is a blessing. God's face represents his person and presence. God's hand is an expression of his provision for needs in our lives. We must learn. Now, this is a learning experience. I'm going to talk a lot. You're going to think we're going to experience it. You're going to be in small groups in a little while. But we must learn. If all we ever do is seek God's hand, we may, what is that phrase? Miss his face. If all we're saying is, God, give me, give me, give me, we may miss who he is. But if we seek his face, he will be glad to open his hand and satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. This approach is spirit-empowered worship rather than a, than a traditional approach that emphasizes prayer requests and a long list, a list of needs. Now, I'm not against prayer requests. Please understand, this whole effort is not against prayer requests. But sometimes we just get stuck in that rather than worshiping and honoring our Heavenly Father. It is not only worship, but it is about placing your prayer life on the foundation of worship to more fully enjoy and experience the various aspects of confession, request, intercession, and warfare prayers. What does warfare prayer mean? Warfare prayers. What's that mean? Somebody tell me. Fighting prayers. Fighting? Warfare. Warfare. Spiritual warfare. warfare. Okay. Thank you. We must fight Satan. Now, how do we do that? I can't do it. You can't do it. So we pray and put it into the hands of Almighty God. He's already fought and he's already won. So if all we're doing is asking and gimme, 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 then we're not being involved in these confession, request, intercession, and warfare prayers. So worship-based prayer. It does not eliminate requests. God kind of commands us to call on him, and he promises to hear and attend to our request. Worship-based prayer gives us the proper foundation on which to make these requests. In other words, if we're honoring our Heavenly Father... And if we're saying to him that we are submitting and asking for his will to be done in me or in you and all of us, then that gives us this foundation. We are reverent. We are approaching our Heavenly Father with humility. Then we make our request. And so part of what I'm saying, and even when you experience your prayer time here in a little while, Put God first. Put honoring Him first. Put worshiping Him first. Put praise to Him first. Put thanksgivings to Him first. Now the Bible teaches this. You know that. Come into His presence with thanksgiving and praise. And we say those words. Let's live them. Let's do that. So that's part of what this is all about. Okay. 
worship-based prayer. I and Daniel Henderson, all of this, I, I don't believe in plagiarism, so I'm not taking credit for this. I'm just emphasizing it. But Daniel Henderson, the fellow that wrote this book, is the one that is saying that it does produce kingdom fruit, and this is both interesting and uh, inspiring and also a bit humorous in a way. Because the book is saying, Daniel Henderson is saying, we're saying that God is glorified. That's good. We see God at work and we join him. It's not our work. It's God's work. And we join him in our prayers and service. We are sanctified. Now, what does sanctified mean? It set apart or we're growing up in the faith. I've said to you, I will always say to you, that we're all in the process of being sanctified, and it is a lifelong process. And so we're sanctified, meaning we are set apart as God works in us, around us, and through us. The church is edified. The church, the people, you and I, are made healthy. Hey, there's an interesting word. Healthy through the presence of our Heavenly Father. Not through our programs, not through us doing cute gimmicky kind of things, not even through your pastor, staff. No, we are made healthy through the presence, the face, the essence of our Heavenly Father. That's what worship prayer is all about. It also says, this fruit, the world is mystified. Now, I want you to think about that word a little bit. Do you and I mystify this community with our joy and with our fellowship and with our prayers? Mm, yeah, I hear a few people groaning a little bit. But when we do this process and we allow the essence of God's face, his reality to be a part of us, then think about it. The early church filled Jerusalem with their prayers, fellowship, and joy. They truly mystified the religious people of their day. Do you remember in the second chapter of Acts, right at the end, verse 42 through 47, it says some powerful things about them being involved in fellowship and being involved in prayers and daily meetings together and meeting in the homes and eating together and worshiping God with glad and sincere hearts. Do you remember that passage? It's a great passage. And at the end of that passage it says, and everyone that was in believing were added to the church. And we know that 3,000 had already come in and then there were 5,000 and then there were more and then there were multitudes. And so their community, the world was mystified. They filled Jerusalem with their prayers. That's part of what this is supposed to be. Now, I love this next one. Remember warfare? The enemy is notified when we're praising God through our prayers. When we engage in worship-based transforming prayer, the enemy's efforts to defeat, discourage, and distract us are met with the reality of our intimate focus and worship on Christ. In the presence of this reality, Satan must accept that he is 
defeated. Now just think about that for a moment. Would you like for Satan to know every step of the way that he is defeated? Yes, please nod your head or your spirit or something. Mm -hmm. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Blair. Because we are supposed to be fighters. Fighters against evil. Okay? I'm sorry, folks. My kids think I'm crazy, but I love to fight. Now, I don't fight her. She's saying yes, no. <laughs> I don't fight her. I don't fight my kids. I don't fight my grandkids. I don't fight you. I, I love you. I don't want to fight you. I don't even want to fight people that oppose me. But I do want to fight Satan. And one of the joys of my life, I have two main callings in my life. And one is to be a counselor in my office, and the other is to be a church leader, and right now in this church. And I am given the privilege in both of those callings to fight Satan. And I absolutely love it. And sometimes it ain't fun. But it is loved by me, and it is part of what God's asking all of us to do. So we want Satan to be defeated. Worship-based prayer is what we're talking about. Now, you and I have several barriers to effective prayer. There's stuff in our spirit life, in our personal life, in ourselves, in our past history. Satan is against us. He is very good at what he does. And he seeks to discourage us at every turn because, and now take this as a challenge for you and me, he is threatened by believers and churches that take prayer seriously and pursue Christ passionately. Passionately. We're going to use that word. We're going to use the word intimate. Those are very important words when we talk about relating to to our Heavenly Father and worshiping Him. Satan gets upset when churches take prayer seriously and passionately. Now many of you falter in prayer because of the fear of intimacy. There's that word. Now I'm sorry, but intimacy has gotten a bad rep. And we human beings have made it bad. We have said, oh my gosh, you can't... You can't be intimate. Uh, and it takes on all sorts of connotations. And then even in our loving, healthy, godly relationships, we say, oh, I can't get too close. You've got to be careful because you might get hurt. Or, well, I don't want to be too intimate because I don't want to make somebody else uncomfortable. Well, folks, a godly, appropriate intimacy is absolutely a part of worship-based prayer. We are seeking God's face. We're seeking to know his presence and his, his, his essence, what he is and how he is. That's intimacy. We're seeking to love him with all of our heart. We're seeking to give him thanksgiving and praise. 
That's intimate. But many falter in prayer because you fear intimacy. You grew up fearing intimacy. It's part of the sinful condition of our lives. The Bible tells us it is good for me to draw near to God. Near to God means intimate. If we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Yet the reality of this seems threatening and impossible. Now, is it possible? Is it possible if you and I don't engage with it? <laughs> now, that's where it's up to me. You remember I started off by saying that I was convinced that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth? Absolutely. But first, in me. And that's part of worship-based prayer. That's part of our prayer life. We miss the importance of the priority of prayer. Instead of it being our first resort, we view prayer as a last resort. Now think about that, please. Yeah, I'm going to check my bank account. Yeah, I'm going to check my insurance. Yeah, I'm going to check this. I'm going to check that. I'm going to talk to somebody. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Let me pray about this. Well, worship-based prayer, what we're talking about today, has got to be a first priority. And when we go to our Heavenly Father in your own private prayer, in group prayer, in church prayer, we need to... To worship him, we need to thank him, we need to honor him, and that is the first priority. Many have learned to pray from counterproductive traditions. <clears throat> I'm sorry. There are some traditions that I love and some traditions that I do not love. And we have learned some counterproductive processes in our prayer life. We say words that have we've been programmed to say. That's not what this is about. This is Holy Spirit, Spirit-empowered prayer that we're talking about today. Not just words that we've learned in church and Sunday school. Now, I, if you don't know that I'm in favor of the church and Bible studies, Sunday school, absolutely, that's why I'm called and that's why I'm sitting here because I love church and I love this church. But I don't love us just mouthing a bunch of words that don't have any significance to me or maybe not even to the Lord, although he can look through a lot of our flaws. But we do a lot of counterproductive traditions. These oftentimes rely on prayer list and rote expressions. I had somebody the other day ask me, what does rote mean? And I thought, okay, I thought everybody knew what rote meant, but I'm not going to ask whether you know what it means or not. But that is just kind of memorized, programmed, oh, yeah, I've heard this, yeah, I've said this for 50 years or 20 years. or That's what rote is. It's just, and it's just, I'm sorry, it's kind of empty. Would you agree? When you do stuff like that, let's get intimate. Let's, let's don't be empty. So these oftentimes rely on prayer lists and road expressions rather than the leading of the Holy Spirit. Please, and I'm going to do this, I hope I do this every time that I pray, 
in myself and in front of you, but I'm going to say in my mind, in my prayers somewhere, Holy Spirit, just lead me to pray what I'm supposed to be praying. Not what some, not what I've heard all my life. We are bored with prayer and prayer meetings. Is that true? Now I'm just I'm going to let you think about that for a moment. We are bored with prayer and prayer meetings. Do you ever sit in a prayer meeting and everybody's going through the lists and the prayer requests and all like that? And you go, oh my gosh. Oh, please. I'm sorry. We are to pray for others. We are to be involved in that. Absolutely. But we're not supposed to be bored with one of the greatest gifts that we have. And that is to pray to Almighty God. We're not supposed to be bored with that. And if we worship and if we come with thanksgiving, if we do some of this that we're talking about, I'm telling you, I believe boredom goes away. I know boredom goes away. We're bored with prayer and prayer meetings because of the above-mentioned factors. We have given up high expectations about prayer. Think about that for a second. When you pray and you say, Lord, I really want peace and unity in King's Grant Baptist Church. Do you expect that? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But sometimes we just say a prayer and then we go on like we didn't expect a thing. And Jesus has taught us for 2,000 years how to pray through Matthew 6, 5 through 13. That is the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. That's when he said to pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it goes on to say, Give us this day our daily bread and deliver us from, from evil. All the things that we need, yes, we're supposed to ask the Lord for that. But what do we do first? We worship and thank the Lord. We submit ourselves to Him. That's the priority. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus gives the final word on how to not to pray and how to pray. He exposed much of the superficial religious system of His day. And some of these errors, some of the things that Jesus said don't do, they still hinder us in our attempts to pray. We get off course in our motives and methods of prayer. We get off course. And that's part of what we're taking a look at. We have impure motives. We're not to pray like the hypocrites who love to pray so that they will be seen by men. Now, have you ever been in church or been in a meeting or been in a prayer meeting and you hear somebody praying and something in your spirit just says, and I hate this and I will not point fingers at any of us, but it just says that this person praying right now is much more interested in impressing the group in here than speaking to Almighty God. Now, you know that happens. 
It is a part of what goes on. When prayer becomes a religious exercise rather than a relational experience, it is formalized and ineffective. Please go back and look at that phrase. I want there are several words in there. When it becomes a religious exercise, I'm sorry, I don't want to be religious. I do everything I can to not be religious. I want to be Christian. I want to be Holy Spirit led. I want to be spontaneous under the Spirit's guidance. I want to honor the Lord. I want to relate to Him. I want to relate to His people. But that is Christian life, not religious. And if it's an exercise rather than a relational experience. I have said, I will say often, we're supposed to have a relationship, not a religion. And we are to have, and we do have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when it becomes just a religious exercise, it is formalized and ineffective. Your prayer life, my prayer life, if we're just putting the prayer list out there and doing vending machine prayer and asking for what God can do for us, then it is formalized and ineffective. We are not to pray in order to impress people. We're to pray in order to honor our Heavenly Father, to worship and thank Him, and then based on that and our love for Him, we're to ask for Him to give us life. Jesus turned His attention you know this from scripture in the 6th chapter of Matthew. Jesus turned his attention to the pagans, indicating to not use a lot of words like the pagans do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. The heathen believed their gods required repeated phrases and much persuasion in order to grant favor and blessings. Now just think about these phrases. Think about these words. Let them soak in. We have some motivational mistakes. It is easy to be caught up in our own concept of Christian culture and go through the motions of some mistaken motives. I'm not... I'm sorry, I'm hesitating here for a reason. The concept of Christian culture bothers me. Culture is something taught by man. Our Christian experience is taught, taught by the Holy Spirit. So when, when I see something like this, and this came directly from Daniel Henderson in his book, Christian culture. Okay, that's wonderful if it is taught by the Holy Spirit. But it's not wonderful if it's taught by man. We are flawed, sinful creatures. All of us. Now, if I teach something or preach something that is not a part of Holy Spirit, biblical truth, then you come and tell me immediately. Because I don't want to put any kind of Don Solomon culture on this church or on the Christian life. Because culture is something taught by man. 
some of our wrong motives. We preach because of guilt. If I do not pray, I will not be an acceptable Christian. God will be disappointed in me. Well, yeah, he wants us to pray. He, we, he wants us to honor him. He wants us to come to him. He wants us to request from him, but based on our submission and our love and intimacy related to him. Approval is a wrong motive. If I pray and demonstrate my praying, I will be an acceptable Christian in the eyes of others. I'm sorry, we all like for people to like us. Church growth. Now, do I pray for church growth? Yes, indeed. But that's in the Lord's hand. If I pray properly, then God will bless my church with more numbers of people. Well, maybe he wants to bless us first with more growth in the numbers of people that are here. That's up to the Lord. My responsibility is to be submitted to him. Revival. Do I want revival here in, in any church? Yes, 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 yes. But if I pray and work God, beg God, hassle God, oh, here's the phrase, tell God what to do. Now, none of y'all ever do that, right? But if I work God enough through prayer, then he will bring revival. Maybe if we seek his face enough, if we honor him enough and praise him and thank him, doesn't that sound like a pretty good foundation for a revival? Mm-hmm. The enduring correct motive is that God is worthy to be sought. Now go back and read that sentence again. The enduring correct motive is that God is worthy to be sought. He is worthy. The, this motive is spoken of in Revelation 5.12. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. That's our Heavenly Father. He's worthy of having all of those things, so he's certainly weather, worthy of having my submission. A second enduring motive for proper prayer is, I am needy. Now, I ask you to say the same thing. I can't do it by myself. You can't do it by yourself. The heart of this praying is, Lord, I need you. And I need your face. I need to know you. I need to see your essence, your character, your will, your ways. Now, a quick review. A list to pray this, not that principles. Pray to seek God's face, not just his hand. Now, I've said that probably about 10 or 12 times. Pray with your heart fixed on God's glory, not just on personal satisfaction. Pray from the treasury of God's word. Today, in just a little bit, you're going to go into your small groups. Our transition team are going to be leading you. But I put several Bibles in your group. I'm going to give you some Bible passages that talk about seeking the Lord. Well, that's a good foundation for praying. 
You, you take the Bible. I love a man by the name of George Mueller. I've said his name before. George Mueller lived in the 1800s, but he's my very, very good friend. And I tell people all the time, I ain't that old. But he taught me amazing stuff. When I discovered him years ago, I read everything that he ever wrote or was ever written about him. And one of the things, many things, but one of the things was is that he would get before the Lord with an open Bible and he would pray and then he would read and then he would pray and he would read and he would pray and he would read and that then became a two-way conversation honoring the Lord and receiving what the Lord would say from his word. So pray from a treasury of God's word, not from a list of your own ideas. Pray according to the Spirit's instruction, not only from human reason. Boy, we are really bad at some of this stuff. <laughs> we are, folks. I am. We're all intelligent people. And that's wonderful. That's God's gift. But sometimes that gets in our way. <laughs> all right. Worship-based prayer will open new windows of understanding about real intimacy with God. It will empower your life for God's glory and your practical good. Now, we're just barely touching the surface. Here are the, these Bible passages. Now, group leaders, there is a list in your, in your room on the tables for you to draw from this. Uh, but I just put this up in front of everybody. And here or even in your small groups, you can get this. And I wish that you would record these and turn to these, not right now, but in your own private time, in your group time. And these are all indicating that we need to seek God's face. We need to seek to be with him, to, to be in relationship with him. So take a moment to record those because we're about to wrap this up for this first session. Sorry, I know y'all get hear me preach all the time and I've been preaching today, so I just can't help it. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry, but you know what I'm saying. Now, we need to, while you're recording those, I need to number you off. You know, just like they used to do to us in the army. You number off one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. We have five small groups, each led by some of our transition team. And so I need to go around and do one, two, three, four, five. Please remember your number. 